0: We begin a three-part series with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, which states, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This message not only completes last week's message on the believer's consumption of wine or alcohol, but explains what Scripture truly means by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Please listen carefully to Pastor Harris as he teaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Be Filled with the Spirit, Part 1. Now, I, I showed you last time that when we come across this verse, there's a, there's a cultural nuance to it that is very important. Understand that when you see uh, a Bible passage, you see a word in the Bible, uh, the word means what the original author, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, understood that word to mean and what that author expected his readers to understand it to mean. So when he says, do not be drunk with wine, what would they have understood? Well, the Bible, which is addressed to cultures quite different from ours, the assumption was that wine wine drinking is normal. The crucial difference is that what is meant by wine in the Bible is just what we would call wine today except that before it was consumed as a beverage, it was mixed with three to ten times as much water as wine. Drinking wine undiluted with water was considered barbaric. Uh, People began to lose the control of their faculties. Now what you find over and over in the Bible is that God doesn't say don't ever consume anything alcoholic. He prohibits drunkenness, not wine drinking. And it's just that wine drinking was not at all what we ascribe to that term. Hence, you read things like Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Wine, not diluted, was called strong drink. Distilled spirits are even stronger than that. This assumes that wine drinking was normal, but moderation and wisdom is required in its use. Its misuse is not wise, and we're not to walk as unwise men, but as wise. Look at this one in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 4 through 7. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to desire strong drink, lest they drink and forget what is decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted." So He's saying, if you're a king, if you're a leader, if you're a judge, if anything like don't consume alcohol or you might just mess up and fail to apply appropriately the, the laws. He says, Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. If I could enculturize that, to, is there a word enculturize? If I can make that relationship to our culture, if someone is in hospice care, let them have their morphine so that, so that the pain is relieved. But notice the contrast, lest let judgment be impaired... In crucial circumstances, kings should be extremely careful about wine and strong drink. Only give it to those in need of sedation. The general counsel from Scripture regarding the consumption of anything alcoholic is pretty clear. Let me read you two verses from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11, and then verse 22. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening, that wine may inflame them." And down to verse 22, "...woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine, and valiant men in mixing strong drink." That's not even ambiguous. I mean, you can't find a loophole in that. Now in a few special circumstances in the Bible. We have those total tro- prohibitions of all alcoholic beverages for certain people. We already read Proverbs 31. "Kings should never consume alcohol." Now that's not practiced very much by royalty and positions in high political power, but that's God's wisdom. Leviticus chapter 10 verse nine prohibits all wine for priests. During the time that they were serving in the tabernacle or the temple, and remember they served on a rotating schedule, so they were to forego all wine during the time of their service. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3 says the same thing for the duration of a Nazarite vow. That doesn't happen these days, but that was a principle. While you are doing these things especially dedicated to the Lord, no alcohol, not even the dilute stuff. Now, there's only one relevant reference in the New Testament. It does not support the viewpoint that many people want it to support. Some people like to read this verse and say, "'See, it's perfectly fine for Christians to consume alcohol.'" That verse is First Timothy 5.23. Paul wrote to Timothy, his protege, and he said, "'No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments.'" That fits perfectly with the idea of way more water than wine. The wine was essentially a way to purify the water. Alcohol kills nasty little things. Okay, so it is do it for your for your stomach's sake and and frequent ailments. Remember also, wine was used as a medium into which medicine was dissolved. So it was a vehicle for delivering medicine at times. So 1 Timothy 5.23 fits that perfectly. It does not fit, okay, go ahead, drink all the wine that you want to. And remember the early Christian writings specify, like the writings of the culture of those days, that normal beverage wine, like you would drink with a meal, was mixed with water, at least three parts water to one part wine, some up to ten parts water with one part wine. So to consume that amount of the amount of al- alcohol here's a comparison to consume the amount of alcohol in two martinis by drinking wine that contains three parts water to one part wine you would have to drink about 22 full glasses to get the same amount of alcohol in other words it's possible to become intoxicated by wine mixed with three parts water but it would affect your bladder long before it affects your mind. Okay, understand, we're not talking about the kind of thing that we call wine today. Now, the question then is, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah, He did. And remember that the steward of the feast was amazed? This was the best wine. And that means He probably tasted it. So, are you saying to me that then He took that awesome wine and He diluted it with three parts water before He served it to people at the wedding feast? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that anybody at that wedding feast or any place that consumes enough alcohol to affect their thinking is in sin. You just can't get around that. Do not get drunk. You can add the with wine if you want to. But that's the mildest stuff, with wine or with beer, which I suppose is a little milder than wine, or a strong drink, don't be drunk. That's the line that the Bible draws, intoxication or drunkenness. So given the fact that the, the standard wine drinking that was done in New Testament times is non-existent in our society, I think it's wise to be extremely conservative about what we practice or condone in the matter of the use of alcohol or any other drug that affects a person's mind. Now, can you have a couple of ounces of wine with a meal? I I don't mind, but I'm telling you, if it's enough to affect your judgment a little bit, you've gone too far. So you're better off, I think, if you just avoid it and if you live in a culture where you don't have to purify. The water that comes out of the tap, and you have so many other choices. Um, I think better to just stay away. I think it would be. I think it would be really cool. I, I'm not going to do this, but I think it would be really cool if you're sitting in a restaurant somewhere and you overheard the next table, somebody's ordering their meal, and they said, um, "And I would like a glass of wine, please, and a pitcher of water to dilute it." it, it we just don't relate to the way that it was in New Testament times. Well, remember in this context, we're talking about the wise walk, the wisest things to do as a new man in Christ. And the wisest thing for you to do is to not be drunk with wine, that's the negative illustration. Not be under the control of that substance, but to be under the control of the spirit of wisdom. And that brings us to the rest of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Now, here's my plan for this little portion of Ephesians. This touches very much on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It is a command that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, but there is, in our age, so much confusion about this whole subject of everything to do with the Holy Spirit that I want to employ a teaching technique that's very good when you're dealing with controversial issues. If you teach by contrast, it helps clarify things. So, I want to categorize some of the wrong concepts about the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and then biblical statements about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And So, that's going to be our approach as we look at the half of this verse, which is be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald for Heritage Bible Radio. I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.